passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Episode 136 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season, NFL season, college football playoff, college basketball, and more. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated or mobile website, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BLEAVE50 to receive your bonus. That's promo code BLEAV50 to receive your 50% promo code bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts with that said episode 136 for the love of the game let's get this work baby bet a cobra x a couple grammys on him couple packs a that's a fat a throw it back a throw it back a Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. We are in the thick of holiday season. Hanukkah is past. Christmas is coming up. It is episode 136 for the love of the game with yours truly, Aaron Tobin has ATH back behind the mic. There's a lot going on. We're in the thick of NFL season. Playoffs are around the corner. Division races are coming to a close. We're going to see who's going to be the wild card. We're going to get to the NFL in a little bit, but there are a couple of NBA stories out right now that I really want to talk about. Not going to talk about the New York Knicks right now, or I should say in depth, because I'm a little frustrated with them right now. A little, little frustrated, but I wanted to kick off tonight's show talking about Steph Curry. So Tuesday night this past week, Steph Curry in Madison Square Garden broke the record for the all-time three-pointers made, broke Ray Allen's record in way less games. I mean, an incredible accomplishment. Not that it was ever a doubt that he was going to break the record, but the fact that it took so quick. And there's so many reasons for that, right? 
the way the game is played now, the emphasis on the three-point shot, it's way more prevalent than when Ray Allen first started or when Reggie Miller was playing before him and, and Larry Bird. So when you talk about, like, the greatest shooter ever, and I agree that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter to ever play basketball, but just remember guys like Larry Bird, Dirk Nowitzki, Jerry West, Clay Thompson, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, those are all all-time great shooters, all-time great shooters. But I want to wax a little poetically about Steph Curry. And yeah, it still gets to me that the Knicks were one pick away from drafting Steph Curry. When D'Antoni was the coach, it would have been perfect. Now, the inner cynic in me would have said that Curry's ankle injuries would have prevented him from being great in New York. And... That because the Knicks can't have nice things, but we dare to dream, right? We dare to dream, and it still pains me. And the fact that he did it in Madison Square Garden, well, it kind of sucks that people are cheering for things other than Knicks basketball in MSG, but great players have a knack of doing great things in that building. It just goes to show you the mystique of that building it is just beyond just the Knicks and the Rangers. It, it's so much more than that. It's why it's the world's most famous arena. It's why it's every great player's playground. And Steph Curry is just the latest. Uh, watching Steph Curry over the years is, is just fantastic. I mean, we're so privileged to get to watch that guy. And in terms of just shooting three-pointers, and there's so much more to his game than three-pointers. He's a great dribbler. Unbelievable handle. He's probably got the best handle in the league right now. Him, Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving, when Kyrie Irving is playing. I mean, those guys have incredible handle. But Curry, for somebody who's known as the greatest shooter ever, has incredible handle. He's an excellent passer and an exceedingly unselfish player. Exceedingly unselfish player. To the point where you, you were kind of wondering, well, Maybe Curry should be a little bit more selfish, right? We kind of want him selfishly as basketball fans to be a little bit more selfish because he stretches the realm of possibility of like what he can do just because he's such a threat from beyond the arc. The way he moves off the ball, the way he gets other guys involved. It's just, just awesome. He's just awesome to watch. The best teammate in all of basketball since Tim Duncan, just just really, really excellent and special. But I wanted to push back on one thing. A lot of the networks, different shows are talking about Steph Curry being the face of the league and why he has more appeal than LeBron or even Michael Jordan in his days because those guys are just such superhuman athletes. And Steph Curry has this boyish look. He's not like 6'6 six, six to 6'8, six, can't jump out of the gym, isn't you know super strong, just an incredible physical specimen. That you could, he's almost relatable, right? And I understand what everybody's saying, but let's not get it twisted, right? Steph Curry is not relatable, okay? He's so special at what he does. And we've seen guys go out there and try and shoot the same shots that he shoots. And guess what? He's the only guy who should be trying to do it, and he's the only guy that can do it. Maybe Damian Lillard. Maybe, because he's great in his own right, but he's not Steph Curry. Steph Curry is a one-of-one. One. So, yeah, 
young kids who are growing up playing basketball are able to try the things physically that Steph Curry can do. But they're not Steph Curry. And they won't be Steph Curry, okay? Steph Curry is an anomaly. And he should be treated as an anomaly, just like Michael Jordan is treated as an anomaly, just like LeBron James is treated as an anomaly, even if he looks like you and me. Just just an unbelievably great player who's played well in big moments and has had so many great, great moments throughout his career. And, And his career is far from over. Like, I don't see how anybody is going to even get close to his record when it's all said and done. Just kudos to him. Now, I wish the Knicks would have won the game. Whatever, they're in a little bit of a slide. We're going to get into the Knicks in depth a little bit. We're not going to talk about the Knicks that much today. But, yeah, so hats off to Steph Curry for breaking the record. And you can tell that once he finally got it, he can breathe a sigh of relief, right? Like, he, it was on his mind. And of course it's on his mind, because why wouldn't it be on his mind? It's a milestone. It's got to be on his mind. And you can tell he was gunning for it, and you can tell that teams were not going to let him do it. And yeah, he was probably forcing things. And I guarantee you, right now, you know, the last couple of games for him, it hasn't been great shooting in terms of percentages. Now that this record's over, he's going to go on a tear, an absolute tear. Like, he's going to shoot. 55% from the field and like 45% from three. And he's going to take better shots now that the record's over with. But again, kudos to Steph Curry. Many more to come. I've had the pleasure of watching him his entire career. And I hope to have the pleasure of watching him for another seven, eight years at least. All right. The other big story is Zion Williamson. Another setback in his rehab on his broken foot. And he's still weeks away. And odds are he's not going to play this entire season. If I'm the New Orleans Pelicans, there's no way I let him play this entire season. Now, the Zion Williamson thing is complicated because he's already up for his rookie extension. And no one's ever turned down the rookie extension. And he's box office when he plays. He's still... You know, an incredible celebrity. I mean, look at the amount of Instagram followers he has. And he had that even before he got to the league, before he got to Duke. So if you're the New Orleans Pelicans, like, what do you do with this guy? You can't give him a max extension because he's never healthy, right? I mean, the Philadelphia 76ers had a very similar thing with Embiid. Now, Embiid in the third year finally played 30 games. Zion in the third year right now is not playing any games. And Philadelphia went all in on the extension, and it's come up roses, right? That's one scenario. The Michael Porter Jr. back injury news for anybody, you know, for young players that have serious medical issues, like Porter had coming into the draft. That's why he slid to 14. The Knicks should have taken him at nine over Kevin Knox, whatever. That's not neither here nor there. But the fact that he just got a max extension and had to have back surgery right afterwards will give every team a pause in terms of extending these guys. New Orleans is in a really tough spot because it's kind of clear that the organization's a mess. Zion doesn't really want to be there. If he was healthy, there would be a real chance that he would take the qualifying offer and try and get out of there after his rookie year. And right now, if you're the Pelicans, I think you have to trade him. I think you have to trade him because it's not going to work here. 
he it's clear that he is the strongest voice in the organization and no one in the organization has the authority to tell him that he should get in shape has the authority to tell him that he's got to eat better that maybe he needs to take training more seriously and he won't have these injuries yeah injuries happen but it's just an absolute mess in New Orleans right now. An absolute mess. And in terms of a trade, right? And this is the last thing I'm going to mention the New York Knicks in this monologue. If you're the New York Knicks, you still 1,000% go all in on Zion Williamson if you can. You do it. You take the swing. You take the risk. Because right now you're, you could potentially be buying a distressed asset. A guy that has a chance when he's right to be one of the 12 best players in the league. I mean, when he was right last year, he was dominant, absolutely dominant. And if you're the Knicks in the state of the franchise that you have right now, right now you're struggling. You don't have a guy. You don't have a guy facing the franchise right now. You have all these contracts and young assets to hopefully trade for a guy, but you don't have a guy. And maybe you could get Zion on the cheap because of his health injuries. And that's a risk, if I'm the Knicks, that I am willing to take. The other guy I'd be looking to target for, you know, for the Knicks is uh, DeMontis Sabonis. I'd be intrigued on Ben Simmons involving Julius Randle. But again, we're not really going to talk about the Knicks right now. But if you're the Pelicans, I don't see how you can go forward with the Zion Williamson thing. It's just not going to work. And I think if you're the Knicks, you're in a situation where you would have to go all in for a guy. You're going to have to, you'd have to hold your nose. You'd have to just do whatever you can do to get him right. Make it like Joel Embiid, where Joel Embiid had injuries the first two years, came back, played part of his third year, and then all of a sudden he's played, you know, 60% 60% of the games every year since he's been relatively healthy, you know, a couple of Knicks here or there, but still that's what you hope for. If you're the Knicks, you got to go all in. And if you're the Pelicans, I think you have to cut bait because it's just not going to work. This episode of the, for the love of the game podcast is also brought to you by Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts, people holiday season and Lightbox lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price of just $800 per carat. That's right, just $800 per carat. They have the exact same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink, beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off and priced so well that they won't have to. They really make every outfit sparkle. Visit lightbox.com and add sparkle to your holiday shopping this year. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. So that's a couple of NBA thoughts. We are bringing on a recurring guest who hasn't been on in a while to talk about one of the major surprises in the NBA. That's coming on in a little bit. But one last thing before we bring him on, quick NFL thought. So this season has been a topsy-turvy season. 
We've had twists. We've had turns. It's been crazy. The level of play has been bad. And even throughout all that, if you look at the landscape of the league right now, there's a really, really, really good chance that you're going to get a repeat of last year's Super Bowl game with the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. With all the nuttiness throughout this NFL season, if you had to bet, I think we're going to get a rematch, which is just so funny because we were talking about parity in the NFL, and there is. We were talking about how it changes week to week, and it does. But push comes to shove right now, you may get a rematch of last year's Super Bowl, which is crazy to think about. So one last thing, one last, last thing. Picks against the spread this week. Last week, we were two and three. It was tough. That Bengals loss really, really hurts. But the money line parlay hit. The teaser hit, so it was a profitable week. But with that said, this week's picks against the spread, and then we're bringing on a recurring guest. First play, the Packers were at the Ravens minus five and a half. Lamar Jackson may or may not play. In fact, I don't really care if he plays or he doesn't play because he hasn't been very good when he's played. And if he doesn't play, it's you're getting, I think, an extra three to five points on this line. And the Packers have been really, really good covering the spread this year, like historically great covering the spread. Packers minus five and a half. At two, I got the Bengals at the Broncos plus two and a half. I'm kind of a sucker for this Bengals team. I think they're really good. I think they're actually going to win the AFC North. They have Moxie. They should have won the game last week. I mean, they had a monster comeback, but I just think they're the better team than the Broncos, so I'm going to take them to cover the two and a half. Three, Dolphins minus nine and a half against the Jets. The Dolphins are trending up. The Jets are trending down. This number could have been three points higher, and I still would have taken the Dolphins. I like the Dolphins at home in this spot. Four, Bills. Minus 10.5 versus the Panthers. The Panthers are really bad. The Bills need this game, need to get right after showing some fight against the Buccaneers, but still a loss is a loss. I think they lay the wood here. Bills minus 10.5. And And at 5, I've got the Washington football team, plus 7.5 at the Eagles. I don't understand this line. It makes no sense to me. I don't know how, if you've watched Washington and Philadelphia over this season, that you could say that Philadelphia, who's been bad at home, is seven and a half points better than Washington. I just think NFC East, tough division game, seven and a half is crazy. So I'm going to take Washington to cover the spread. So again, to recap, Packers minus five and a half, Bengals plus two and a half, Dolphins minus nine and a half. Bills minus 10 and a half, Washington plus seven and a half. That's this week's picks against the spread. With that said, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk a little bit about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, that's right. The Cleveland Cavaliers in just a matter of moments. So there's a certain basketball team in what we call flyover country in the Midwest that has surprised everybody. And I'm bringing on a recurring guest to talk about it a little bit. Everybody jokes that God hates Cleveland right now. Well, God may hate the Cleveland Browns, but they don't hate the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I had to bring the guy on 
a lot happier times this time because LeBron is not leaving his city and who really cares? The guy's a schmuck anyway. Bringing him back second time around, Mr. Speaker Pollock. What's good, bud? How you doing? What's up, Aaron? Good to be back. Uh, long time listener, second time uh, guest. Love it. Your, your mood is way more upbeat this time. LeBron hadn't left your city for the second time. The Cavs are good. Like, you, you seem, every, everything's looking up in Speaker World. Yeah, things are uh, things are going good. You you alluded to a little bit of the Browns cloud that kind of hangs over my head from September to February, but you know we're gonna focus on some of the good news coming out of Cleveland today. And yeah, what can I say? Cavs are uh, making me feel good. My Twitter game is not all doom and gloom for once, and uh, you know, get feeling the love. The Twitter game was has been on point recently, on point. But first of all, before we get into you know this Cavs season, like. Just remind everybody how you, you know, grew up in Los Angeles, how you became a Cleveland sports fan. Because that's not the choice that you should make growing up in Los Angeles. Yes, I agree. It's uh, in part to familial history. I got I got relatives in Cleveland. My dad grew up there. And the real impetus was late 90s. Indians were making. Oh, sorry. Guardians were making. Uh, some World Series appearances, and the Cleveland Browns were about to come back in 2000, 2001, and L.A. did not yet have a football team or multiple football teams. So, you know, it kind of just worked out. It was a little bit startup culture, like, you know, we're going to go for this Browns team that no one knows that's coming back fresh. And like I said, Indians were kind of this hot team, great, great lineups. And, you know, I just kind of fell into my lap. And, of course, it's been a miserable existence. But, you know, we had 2016. And right now we've got uh, a team on a young core on the horizon that we're excited for. So let's talk about the Cavs. And, first of all, I'm a Knicks fan, so I know what a miserable existence is all about. Uh, let's talk about the Cavs. Right now, 17-12. and 12. They're, I think, fifth in the East. Their point differential at the moment is basically a top three seed in the East. By the way, in the East has been the stronger conference top to bottom than the West. So on a scale of one to 10, how surprised are you by this? And second question is, how sustainable is this? So, uh, honestly, on a level of one to 10, I'd have to say nine, 10 range. I think where they stand right now, if they finished at you know, anywhere probably below above the plane kind of seven to 10 range would be a human, you know, huge success. Uh, just the way this core was looking, it just didn't seem to work on paper. It didn't seem to, we were building a team with seven footers who maybe couldn't shoot. It, it didn't really make sense. And I'm not so sure that it still does, but somehow the pieces are working, um, you know, in terms of, sustainability i i think it's sustainable they they play a brand of defense and honestly just just trying that is kind of not matched every night so unless they are uh really outworked and out talented like they're going to find a way to be in these games and you know sometimes that's all it takes if you have some of the horses which they do have you know garland mobley Jared Allen, like these guys are kind of learning on the fly how to win. And, you know, the schedule is really going to lighten up. And, and that's why I think it's, it may be sustainable to stay, you know, above that playing range because 
schedule is going to get easier. They're getting better. They're getting confidence, swagger. So, you know, I think this range is probably where they'll be. I don't know, anywhere from five to probably five, six range. So, you know what it kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of the Knicks of last year, right? Where the defense is incredible. Um, they kind of are catching teams napping a little bit. They play hard every night. And that is how you rack up regular season wins. And that's not like a bad thing, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's the mark of a really good team. The difference is for this team is like the, than the Knicks of last year. It's like the net ratings for all these guys are like really good, right? Like the Knicks didn't oh, yeah. necessarily have that last year, but like the net rating on Jared Allen is, is awesome, right? I mean, we're yeah. going to get to Evan Mobley in a second, but it's, it's just a, it's just a fun team. Even if it's an incredibly flawed roster where they don't really have a good shooting guard or small forward on the team. Yeah. I mean, they're the, the analytics love them. And that's, that's also why I'm hesitant to question whether or not this is sustainable because they've literally had the hardest schedule and they've been playing these teams. You know, they lost to the, they had one week where they lost to the Warriors twice, the the Bucks and the Nets, but they were in every game and they also were kind of beaten up. They had some COVID issues early on. Mobley missed three weeks. Like they haven't necessarily been that healthy, but they're, they're kind of coming together in a way that usually, I don't know, people, are, you know, deep Twitter is kind of thinking this is maybe Phoenix Suns-ish of last year. I don't know that I go that far. We don't have kind of the, you know, the CP3 or the, Booker, but like, I was going to say, I let's not get carried yeah. away here. There's shades of that in that Rubio can kind of be a stabilizer off the bench. They never have a period of time where the offense just doesn't have either Rubio or Garland leading. And that's huge. And we'll get to Sexton, but I, it's a, it, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, but it has been a little bit of an addition by subtraction, just flow and really getting other guys involved. There's a lot of meat on this bone. So we're going to start off with Evan Mobley, the number three overall pick. Um, just he's so beyond his years in terms of basketball sophistication for the position that he plays and the feel that he has offensively and defensively. I mean, how much joy do you get watching him night in and night out? It's as somebody who like to talk about myself here, like is never the most skilled player on a court, but tries to just do the little things right. You know, whether it's set the right pick, you know, make the right pass, just even like, even just little things like spacing, understand where you want your best guys to be able to go and like, how you may help them do that. Like Mobley's doing that. And he's also seven feet and has like, he can play. So like he's doing all these little things, right that at minimum make you a starter on a good team. And he hasn't even scratched the surface offensively. Like he, and he, and he'll flash, like he can hit, he can hit threes. Like if he, if he's open, he'll take it. Um, and just the polish around the rim is going to come. Like it, it's exciting, especially as he beefs up the one, you know, like Jared Allen is a, is a, I feel like a little bit of a better rim runner. Like he just dives hard. Mobley kind of gets it. Sometimes is a little passive down there. But, like, that's going to come, and he's just so skilled. Like, he can – there's just nothing he can't do, and it's exciting. And defensively, he's just such a 
difference maker. The guy has like more contested shots than anyone in the league or close. And, and his never foul fouls. rate is not yeah, high fouls. at all. He doesn't foul. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I will say kind of back to the first question about sustainability. I do think this is in somewhat a huge boon from the league's kind of backing off of picky tax because the, the cast play physical. And with that many big guys, there's so many contested shots that a young team like them wouldn't necessarily get the benefit of the whistle in a lot of these games, but the way they've kind of shifted, they want to increase flow. Like that's definitely helped a team like them who play a certain brand who are challenging shots. I feel like there are times in these games that like in the years past, like Jared Allen would have like four fouls because like he's contesting and blocking shots, but you know, they, there's maybe a little hand in there and they're kind of letting that go. And it's, it's, I think it made a marketably improved product to watch. But I think specifically for the Cavs, it's been big because their team that prides themselves on like getting in your business and challenging shots, you know, verticality, like all that. And they're letting them play. And that's been something that makes me question whether in the playoffs if things tighten up, like, are we going to be able to play that way? But, you know, that's a, I'm happy to deal with that problem later on. I was going to say it's a good problem to have uh, in the future. My um. So I was in the building in MSG for uh, the Cavs and the Knicks. And obviously it's the game that Ricky Rubio turned into prime Steve Nash. I didn't really appreciate that very much. Um, What I noticed about Mobley, and again, you couldn't really see it in college because just the way the college game is uh, and the guards that he was playing with were not very good. On offense, when he's like uh, on the short roll, his passing when he catches the ball at the top of the key is just so sophisticated. His court awareness and, and the fluidity in which he, you know, is able to turn, you know, see the whole floor, you know, make decisive moves, whether he's going to pass or he's going to shoot or make a move. It's just like, this is sophisticated level stuff that you see out of like Draymond Green, right? Who's, maybe the best passing, you know, short roll big guy in the league, but Mobley has shades of that. Right. And, and he, you know, his jumper is going to come, but from, you know, mid range, he's pretty pure, right. If he stretches it out even more, you know, he's going to be devastating. And in terms of a ceiling, like, I, I think he can be better than Anthony Davis. Like if he has it between yeah. the ears, I think he'll be better than Anthony Davis. Like, like there's some there's some early stage Kevin Garnett here, and that is like the highest of compliments. Yeah, no, he 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 gets it, and and the short roll, like he'll he'll catch that ball, and he can simultaneously dissect like, okay, someone's coming up to guard me. That means Jared Allen's open for a lob. Or that means Isaac Okoro opened in the corner for a three. Like he's able to do that in a split second. And it's not, it's just, it's like effortless. Like the guy, his brain is just working three steps ahead on, on offense in in those situations. And I think as soon as he can really finesse some of that post moves, because sometimes you don't even need to pass it out. Like just, just finish it. Like you're big and you're long and you'll get a good shot. And, And I think that's the kind of confidence piece and strength really to go up, you know, against interior defenders that, once that comes, it's like, you know, it's game over. He'll start dunking from four feet away instead of, you know, looking for a little layup pass, you know, and, and to have all that is huge. And 
you know, I know there's some Anthony Davis stands who listen to this pod who we're in a chat with, you know, they're not going to appreciate that comment. Or comparison well, I mean, the, guy, the guy's stage. soft as the guy's soft as Charmin, and he and he doesn't have it between the ears. I mean, it, it's blatantly obvious. The guy's not even a top twenty player in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, it, and yeah, I, I think Mobley's ceiling is. I don't even. I don't even know what the ceiling is because it's it's like it's not like anything I've seen. Like Giannis is a is a different level athlete. Mobley is kind of a different level, uh, just basketball IQ guy that I feel like I don't traditionally see in big guys, you know, big guys, like, you know, get the ball down low, dunk, get or get the ball down low block. Like, and he kind of has just the, an awareness that I feel like is, is, is rare for big guys, especially young big guys who, who usually take, you know, a couple lumps, you know, foul trouble years. Like it's just a huge learning curve that he's able to kind of bypass right now. So I want to talk about the fit uh, with Jared Allen for a second. By the way, uh, Jared Allen, who signed the $100 million contract extension, everybody thought when they drafted Mobley that this is crazy, right? Because Mobley is going to be a center, got to play him at center. And then uh, Jared Allen, who was incredibly available, and we knew he was a good player when he was with the Nets, right? So the Nets give him up because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving – who ironically hasn't played all year, uh, but they were like, they're super good friends with DeAndre Jordan, so they traded Jared Allen in that deal, okay? The Houston Rockets, who I w- who you guys just blew out by 40 points, I wouldn't say are a particularly good team. You know, they could use assets, right? They just decided, ah, we'll just give up Jared Allen, right? A guy who's 16 and 10 and is an elite rim protector. So the Cleveland Cavaliers are like, all right, fine, Whatever, we'll take him. They already had Andre Drummond on the roster. Who cares? I mean, he was never a long-term fit. It's just unbelievable to me that Cleveland was able to get this guy who I can't even say was a diamond in the rough because you know he was good. They got him for absolutely nothing. And the fit with Mobley is incredible. Yeah, no, that, I mean, listen, Kobe Altman, the GM, deserves a lot of, you know, scrutiny for some of the early decisions that they've made along this rebuild. Well, he nailed you know, this one and he nailed. Mobley. Yeah. No, he, you know, the sex in the gym, the beeline hire, like a lot of things didn't really make sense, but Allen was exactly the kind of risk you take when, when all you need is assets and all you need is to try to find a way to find starters on a, on a competent NBA team. That was the, you know, that was the threshold, like competent NBA team. Could this guy be a starter? And Allen is – they kind of knew they would have to pay him, and I think that that also is why the Nets were okay. And especially, it, yeah. especially on a team that, you know, it's not a free agent destination, right? So you're going to pay guys like yeah. that, but that's the exact kind of guy you go after, you know, a young, yep. a young asset like that. Like that's exactly how you do it if you're a team like Cleveland. Yeah, and, and listen, I mean, he, he is still in the grand scheme of today's NBA – it's not clear that he'll ever be that valuable in terms of like, uh, you know, the advanced stats and kind of money wise, just because like he could be played off the floor in a playoff game, the same way like Rudy Gobert is potentially. I I'd like to think he's got some good lateral movement to stick with the guard, but that's going to be a challenge that they're going to have to deal with. And, you know, that's when maybe Mobley plays the five, but I mean, in general, 
the guy's been rock solid. I did not think he was going to really outperform this contract, but so far, I mean, he's a stud. He's got a, a culture setting kind of attitude. He works hard. He gets dirty. Um, and he's just, he's, he's improved a lot. Like even from last year, like his confidence in the post game, like they can, if there's one-on-one down there, like they feel comfortable, like letting him go at anyone. And he's also, which is why why he's better than Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert, you throw him the ball and it's just like, it's like a baby deer that's learning how to walk. It's, it's disgusting. Right. Yeah it's completely uncoordinated. Like Jared Allen's not like that, which is why I'd rather pay Jared Allen what he's making yeah. than Rudy Gobert what he's making. But I mean, whatever, that's yeah, another Al- conversation. Allen's shooting 70%. Like, I don't know how much of it's sustainable, but I'm watching these games. Like, his shots are three-foot bunnies or dunks. Like, he's he's getting good looks. And so, like, I don't know, maybe he shoots 70%. And it's not – but he's got, like, a nice touchdown there, and you could tell, like, his confidence is there. So, you know, he's also super young. And there's no reason to think that he's not going to continue to kind of get better. So it's, it's definitely a good fit. And really it, it all kind of came together oddly enough by them also getting marketed in the summer for basically nothing because they just agreed to give him a contract, but he's kind of like the linchpin of this small ball lineup. That's been so hard because he's seven feet playing small forward, but he's bought in and he's played harder than he ever played for the bulls. Yeah. And He's also he's just such a nightmare matchup wise. When you have six, seven small forwards who are trying to guard him, he's not particularly, you know, a banger, but he's lights out. Like he's a great shooter. And now he's not asked to bang down low because they've got Allen and Mobley for that already. And it kind of plays off his skill set nicely. So the marking in piece, yeah. Right. And he hasn't been that terrible defensively either for them. Like it's it's kind of like they're forced to do this because these are their best players, right? They don't have the yeah. wing depth, like, and, and, you know, just, the coaches, Bickerstaff is just like, we got to get our best players on the floor and it's going to be weird and it's going to be awkward. And that's just how we're going to have to do it. And, and it's come up roses. The guy who's made the big leap this year is, is Darius Garland, right? Yeah. You didn't For see sure. a lot of him in college because uh, of an injury. Rookie year was up and down. This fit with Sexton was weird, uh, but he's been awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, it's funny because when he got called up to the Team USA experience with all the COVID issues, you're just like, Darius Garland, really? like, what's that about? <laughs> but we've seen now guys come back after playing Olympic basketball and being in Team USA basketball have been way better the following year. Like there's a long list of this and Garland's like the latest guy. So, I mean, what are you seeing from Garland this year in terms of just maturation and, and we'll talk about the Sexton thing in a second, but, but where is Garland improved to you most and where's he impressed you most? Yeah. I mean, he's been a, he's been a real stud and there was whispers already, like after, you know, and a lot of the, you know, the debrief from the Olympics was like, and other NBA players saying like, Oh man, this Garland guy, Garland's like going to take a leap. And I was just Steph like, Curry. all right, like, Steph yeah, Curry was like, a big Garland believer. Yeah. I was like, I've seen this movie before. We talk up a guy, you know, he's at all. He's awesome. He's going to be great. But like Garland truly is like a different guy in terms of confidence level. And, and I think it's hard to extricate it from Sexton because Sexton is such an alpha that 
like it was it, i don't think garland could really take the reins of the team and like it be his because and not not even fault to sexton but the guy was is a super hard worker he was drafted right after lebron left he was able to put up points he was able to kind of do things on his own when the team really had no other options and so there was a certain level of you know this is this collins team is it darius's team and when both of them are six, four ball handlers, like it's hard to, you know, it's almost like your turn, my turn. Like there's, there was no clarity on who the future is. And with Sexton, you know, both literally and probably figuratively out of the picture now, you know, I think Garland's kind of taken ownership of the team. Like this is my team. I am the best player on this team. I am the best player. At getting well, the second best player on the team. Yeah. Right. Right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, right now, Garland's the engine. I mean, they can win without Mobley. They, they're not going to win anything real without Mobley, but they can win games without Mobley. Without Garland, I think it's hard to anybody else to really get going. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a great passer, and now he's shooting with confidence. And so I'm, I've been impressed most with just he's so he, he's very quick. Like, he'll just make a move and he, he always gets separation. So he's either able to take these teardrop floaters, alley-oops or find a guy in the corner and he's actually passing the ball. Like Sexton would do that and just take a contested two. So it's just a different game. And guys know that if they stay ready, Garland will, pa- Garland will get them the ball with a good look, you know, and that's, you know, well, that's made love's job easier. Osmond's job easier guys who are more limited now. You don't have to just stand around and be resentful that they're not getting the ball. So, you know, it's a different, different element, but Garland's really just taking ownership and that's where the maturity is. Like he knows this is his team and he's going to be the one to lead it. So we brought up Colin Sexton and, and the fit. And obviously the fit was a little clunky. Both guys are a little bit undersized to play the two. I should say very undersized to play the two, but again, it was a matter of getting your best players on the floor and, you know, Garland and Sexton were two of your best players uh, at the time. And just the fit was weird, right? And and Sexton has a lot of detractors. I'm not a huge Sexton guy. I love the fact that he plays hard, but I just – and maybe it was the situation early and he developed bad habits. I just don't see the, the playmaking IQ that you need to be a primary ball handler on a really good team, right? So now yeah, – no. So now he's coming up uh, uh, eligible for a contract extension. They and but he's hurt. We know guys, yeah, who are, you know, they, coming back or trying to trying to get their money straight are going to try and you know really get after it. So what are the Cavs going to do? Like I feel like they have they have to bring him off the bench. They can't start him. And isn't is that like a blessing in disguise in a sense where is his best use if he's going to be in Cleveland? doing the Jordan Clarkson on steroids thing type. Cause he's a better player than Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. I mean, he's, I analytics really dislike his game and it's because he just doesn't get anyone involved and he's not particularly good at defense for, he's got the effort, but like, it just doesn't translate. And I'm sure, I don't think it's a knock on him. I think but that's young he, players he, in general. Yeah. Right? right. He came into a terrible situation. Like, no LeBron, the Cavs are a mess. They got all these veterans who hated him and are leaking stuff to the press about how he's impossible to play with. Like, it, it was toxic. And, and for, 
you know, I think to his credit, he just put his head down and worked and has gotten a very solid offensive skill set, but there's no, you know, offensive scoring skill set, but there's really no other facet of his game that is valuable. Like he doesn't pass, he doesn't rebound, he doesn't defend. So when, and he's already undersized. So it's, I honestly would be, I don't know if they'd let him walk, but I think they try to find somebody to take him that wants somebody who can score and just get buckets. Cause that's what he can do. But I don't even know that the Cavs second unit wants that because the second unit is really lifted up by guys like love Rubio Osmond who rely on ball movement. And when you're to get good looks because they can't really create on their own. And so if you're getting a guy who's a ball stopper in there, I don't, I don't, know that that's a fit i mean when i'm sure maybe we'll touch on who could be a fit but you need a guy who can just do more and is more versatile the offensive you know kind of microwave offense is helpful but i just don't know that they want to go to that even in the clarkson method you know i think like they have enough skilled offensive players off the bench that sexton in the mix just he doesn't complement them well so it's it's a weird dynamic and again, I don't think it's his fault, but like, I think the Cavs are seeing like, we're much better without him. And of course there's a way to probably make it work and get him on board. Like they're winning. Um, but even getting a Coro at the two is kind of maybe playing up the a Coro skill set. So I, I don't know. It's a weird thing what they're going to do with Sexton. They clearly didn't value him that much and they wanted to play this year out and we're fine with it. But I, I think they try to just move on and find somebody who will take him and get, even if it's like a diminishing asset, something in return, because I think they're seeing this, his skill set is it's not good for JB ball. You know, I do think though, that he could be a valuable playoff asset when, when things bog down and you just need somebody who can get theirs. Um, right. I, I do think he'd be a valuable playoff asset. And if they don't trade him at the deadline, they're going to have to figure out a way to get him involved. Cause you know, we've seen a playoff basketball is different, right? It's different. And yeah. I, I just think he can, he could help them in the playoffs, but I I'm with you. I mean, if you can get something for him at the deadline, that would be, that'd be awesome. Another guy who may be traded at the deadline or another guy who is us, uh, you know, had a little malcontent to it uh, was Kevin Love. Yeah. You know, signed the big extension to stay in Cleveland after they won the title. LeBron leaves. They're like, all right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna pay Kevin Love. He's had his outbursts of frustration. Um, you know, you saw the antics on the court. He's another guy who really didn't appreciate uh, Colin Sexton not being able to pass him the ball in the post when he was open. But this yep. year he's coming off the bench and he's been a trooper. You know. Yeah. He's been really engaged. He sh- shot the ball well from the outside. He's played a really good brand of basketball. I mean, how shocked are you by the Kevin Love transfer? Not really a transformation, but it's kind of like a throwback to when he was really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I was even – it's it's shocking first because it, it, all indications were he's totally washed. He totally is disengaged. He didn't, you know, he was dealing with a calf injury last year where he would literally play like maybe one half of a game and then be out for three months and then like recover. And then that would, the same process would happen. So, you know, health wise, 
it hasn't been there the last few years. You know, he's been very public about mental health issues that he's had. And, and it seems like he's just in a better place now, you know. Um, newly engaged. One, newly engaged. Yeah. Kind of he's a, yeah. He's, he's kind of in it. He, apparently also, you know, similar to David Blatt's famous taking the Cavs team bowling, there was a, a meeting where JB told everybody, like, this is your role. Like, this is what I envisioned for you this year. And a lot of the guys have mentioned that they feel like they knew what they were going to be asked to do this year. And I think Kevin loves marching orders. Well, you're a big off the bench. You're going to come in, you're going to shoot and you're going to play hard on D and you're going to be kind of a good mentor and a good role model for these young guys who have never won. And to his credit, I think he's bought in on that and he's, you know, fully embraced that role. And, you know, I think which the reality is, which is, is you know, yeah. surprising considering like, you know, he's been a little bit of a laughing stock recently, but this is a guy who was second team all NBA, right? He's made a couple of all-star games. He won a title. So yeah, for him I mean, to do that is impressive. No, it is. And I think, listen, I think there's truly no trade market for it. So I think bigger staff is probably, you know, in this meeting saying, you can either get on board or you can sit on the bench. We're not buying you, you know, ownership's not buying you out. So this is it. Like, you know, this is what you could be. You're old. You're not as, you know, great physical shape as you used to be. Like, you know, take the 23 minutes a night and run with it. And the guy's, you know, obviously paid to Wazoo. He's not, he doesn't need more money. He's won a ship. And I think, you know, there's, any other team that got him was going to use him in the same way, any contender. So now he's on a contender in a bench role, you know, and you don't think there's a, you don't think there's a trade market for him now. His, I mean, I I don't know the money bass, but I mean, he, he has a ridiculous salary. Like he's one of the top paid guys in the whole league. And it's not that many years left on the deal. I think, what is it? Two years left on the deal. And, I can't imagine, and again, the Cavs are going to be in an interesting spot at the deadline, whether they're going to be buyers or yeah. sellers, depending on how you know real and sustainable this is. But I, I feel like, I, feel I mean, like- you're not getting a one. Like, what are you? Like, are you going to do it for like, you know, two late twos or like, a, like I, I think the return is not going to be there to maybe break up what you think you have, and if nobody else imminently needs to get paid then maybe you just, you just ride it out. I mean, I, he's being a good citizen. He's doing the right thing for what it's worth. And maybe it's worth nothing. The guy's on the bench cheering every game, towel waving. And I think they know, like, it's good to have guys who have won him Rubio, like in the locker room, it's just a professional attitude, you know? And, and, you know, back to Rubio, like love and Rubio play together in Minnesota during their primes. Like that's, that's nice. He plays with Rubio every night they're on the same lineups, you know, he's, he's getting just kind of the kind of basketball that he thrived in and even more so than the LeBron years where he was kind of just a glorified guy who sat in the corner and waited for someone to pass it to him. Like the love, the LeBron love years were not good for love. Like he, he did not shine. And this is a way where, you know, he's at least getting his, his shots up his buckets and when he's in. You know, he's kind of the number one option of the bench. The Rubio love Minnesota years, like when they were healthy, they they were actually good. It was just that, you know, they were never healthy and the rest of the team was really, really terrible. Rubio, another guy that everybody could have had in the league, 
that Cleveland yeah. gets off the scrap heap. And again, I witnessed in person him basically turn into Steve Nash for a night, which again, <laughs> I didn't really appreciate. So the Cavs are, are an incredible story right now. Incredible story. No one saw it coming. I mean, the Vegas over under, I think was like 27 and a half before the season. So mm-hmm. will will the, the the bottom fall out and they and they regress to the mean? I, I I don't know, but like so now where they are is what would you do at the trade deadline? Like are, are, would you be a buyer and and if so, where are you looking to upgrade? I mean the obvious the obvious position I need is is wing. It's the either a two or a three. I think though I can't see them giving up anything serious. And, you know, I don't really see them really engaging with with Simmons as much as it would be an interesting kind of tall ball experiment to the max. Like, I just don't think they would give up on any of these young core. Like, these guys are so young. And even Okoro, the guy's 20, and in the last two weeks is kind of starting to come on a little. Like, I think they're going to view the wing – issues between Osman and Okoro as kind of like an internal fix. Like we're just going to continue to let these guys develop. We're not trying to win a championship this year. So we don't need to go out and get a Karis Levert or I don't know, Buddy Heald, like, and, and pay a ransom, you know, to get one of those guys and give up one of these young core guys. Like I think any team would need like an Okoro back, and, you know, the guy was a top five pick last year and plays lockdown D. So at the very least, you have a competent starter. And then if the offense comes around, then great. And, you know, maybe there's some signs that it is coming around. So I, I can't imagine them giving up any real assets. If someone falls on their lap, great. And maybe they take a stab at like a veteran wing, uh, you know, who's part of a three-team deal where they just land with someone. But I can't imagine them really – rocking the boat they're just playing too well and they're all so young and i don't think they really want to mess with the chemistry could i see them trading rubio or love if they get a first yeah i think it would be and now it's probably a step back now to get better you know down the line i wouldn't love it but i I maybe would understand it i I think otherwise though they, they just try to rely on hey our coaching staff is pulling the best out of these guys and, you know, they even have Dylan Windler who can't get off the bench, but like he was a first round pick two years ago, who's got an interesting skill set. He can shoot, he can defend. He's also big. So I, I think they like the Okoro, Chetty Osman and Windler potential to kind of just ride it out at wing. And unless something really enticing comes around, I, I don't see them, you know, disrupting this core. And it's the Sexton piece that we mentioned before. The Sexton piece may be the guy who's who's traded. Yeah, I mean he's gone for the year either way, so he can't play. Like I, I think he had surgery on his meniscus. Like he's not he's not suiting up this year. So if someone takes him, yeah, with the idea that they'll pay him, I, I just I'm not sure there's really going to be a right. So a, that that'll a, that'll, a that'll be an offseason yeah. thing. That'll be an offseason yeah. thing most likely. I didn't right, maybe a sign and a sign and trade something to you know to facilitate him moving on and maybe getting an asset at a return. But otherwise, you know, I think they're content with their internal options and they'll view, you know, the continued growth of, especially a Coro, the guy's 20 and, you know, starting to have a little bit more offensive awareness and they'll just rely on those guys to keep kind of 
you know, bringing out the best in these young guys. Acaro dunked on the entire Houston team last night. Uh, I hope you saw that. That I, was I did. Oof. I did it. I did indeed. I mean, there. Even like last night was an example. Like I saw Mobley. Mobley was out. He got a hip issue. He's gonna. Probably, they probably want to give him a little bit of a longer rest because they're playing on Saturday. But you know, I was like, oh, Mobley's out. Like, let's see. Like, how are they gonna respond? And, and they're beating Houston by forty points at one point. And Houston's not particularly good. But they're just my New York Knicks get used to tonight, so I'm hoping it's uh, (laughs) uh, a get right uh, game for them as the uh, as their schedule starts to get a little bit easier. Whatever, we don't want to really talk about the Knicks right now. But yeah, man, it's it's been a it's been a fun fun ride. So I mean, like, how confident are you that they're going to stay top six in the East? Because you know, the East is really good. And if they were in the playing game, would you be devastated? No. I don't think so. No, no, we're not. I mean, I think that they have higher expectations already for themselves. They, they see they're going after teams. Like they have a swagger right now that they think they can be any team in the gym. And, and frankly, they, they either have or have gotten close. And so uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't really, I, I don't know the sample size rules. I think we're getting to a point where this might be who they are. Obviously they're not going to be, historically good but i mean they've got enough pieces there and it's not like we're talking about you know no offense to the knicks but like we're not we're not talking about guys like all these guys have pedigrees like they're all top five picks they're not just known for like being grinders like they're starting to try hard on defense but like each one of these guys a yeah. garland even marketing marketing was a top 10 pick like these guys have skill sets that warranted why they were drafted there and they're just playing winning basketball and they've learned how to win and they're continuing to do that. So there's no, you know what I mean? There's no ceiling on how good they are because uh, on a skill level, they all can continue to grow. They're 20, 21, 22. So, you know, it's not like Tibbs all-stars are being rolled out and, you know, they're on their last leg. Like if anything, you know, I'm, I, I would, yeah, I'm getting to the point where I'm expecting a top six. And you know, wow. obviously now a Cleveland yeah. sports fan expecting a top six. I mean, listen, I obviously not accounting for you know knocking wood injuries, COVID, like the Bulls are getting rocked right now. Like they're gonna have a couple weeks and this crazy schedule to make up, and that's gonna impact you know, like there are things right now in 2021 that make right, it hard course. to totally predict. But I mean, on a the way they're playing and the sustainability, they're not all shooting 90%, like they're winning games in a lot of ways and they're, they're kind of playing defense and that's going to keep them in games so that even when they get cold, they'll beat the bad teams, you know? So I think that's why I have some faith that they can kind of hover around here and, you know, kind of make it interesting. They'll be a tough out if, you know, if, and hopefully when they make this the playoff, just because they play such an annoying style, very much like uh, kind of feel like that in those Memphis years where those guys are just always in your grill like they won a couple of playoff series they obviously never won big but you know they that's the kind of team you want to have going into the playoffs no one wants to play you and they'll hopefully continue to get better it's funny they're zigging when everybody else is zagging in terms of size and they're only doing it out of the necessity of just getting your best guys on the roster it's been it's been a really yeah. really fun story uh a not so fun story before we let you go uh and thanks again for uh, giving me the time is the cleveland browns right a lot yeah. of expectations going into the year. 
hasn't been pretty. I mean, they're still in the mix for the playoffs. Um, but yeah. where are you at with the Browns right now? Browns, I'm like 180 degrees on the other side. I'm like so just mentally exhausted. Like it's just – if it's not COVID, it's internal politics or bad execution or stupid plays. Like it's just everything – it's just a very Cleveland Browns-esque season. And I recognize that they're still seven and six and in the hunt. But like the way they're just operating is a lot of, and I think part of it is learning how to even root for a team in the NFL that like no year, it's not a linear process. Like just because last year they had won a bunch of games and made it to the playoffs and won a playoff game. Doesn't mean that the next year they're, they have either going to be that good. Sometimes like there's a step back after a step forward that, you know, you need to yeah. take. And, you know, third year of the system, which would be next year, is kind of like when you can really gel the most. So I, I just don't know. I mean, the defense looks better, but now the offense can't score. And consistency has been their biggest issue, and it's disappointing. Obviously, watching Odell Beckham play good after, like, we just couldn't figure out a way to use a guy who we desperately needed his skill set. Uh, like, that whole thing was a mess. And, and Baker has just been really – below average as a quarterback and that piece of not actually thinking we have the guy anymore even if he wasn't going to be a top five guy but if he was a top 10 guy we would have still had our guy to not even know now whether we have a competent starting quarterback it's just kind of depressing and that's the really big question considering he's extension eligible um, yeah, they'll let him. And, I mean, I they'll let him play out his fifth year next year, no matter what. They already picked it up, but now it's like it, this. It looks like it'll end up kind of being like this lost year, and a lot of it seems to be he's so banged up. But his mechanics are off. He's not seeing the field well, and if he is, then the guy's dropping the ball or we're getting a holding penalty. So it's just like it's just a, everywhere is you know to blame, and there's not one issue. There's just so many that you just wish the consistency was was better. And that's what's killer because no one's picking each other up. The defense has won a couple of games for them, but the offense, which was supposed to be our strength, is just really sputtered. Like, And I don't know. It, it's it's disappointing. But we got the Cavs. doesn't matter. You got, you got the Cavs. You got the Cavs. All right, Svika, this was great, bud. It was great catching yeah. up. Uh, Always a pleasure. Gotta gotta rest up after that uh that crazy flight you just took. And um we're gonna talk some yeah. calves. I'm gonna make sure that we uh they chop it up on Twitter a little bit and um you know, thanks for doing it, man. Thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, just want to shout out. Hope everything is going well at the move. You know, we're excited here yes. to you know, maybe see some out outside uh videos of the Peloton or you know, just to change it up a little <laughs> bit. We're excited to see what you what you bring from the three oh five. It's um it, it the ball's rolling the ball's rolling uh looking looking forward to it but uh this is great man thanks so much for doing it we'll speak soon awesome have a good one buddy speak to you bye thanks again to today's guest recurring guest Svika Pollock for talking about the Cavs how about them Cavs being really really good again 
shock to everybody who follows the league and uh, talking a little bit about the Browns. Not as good. That's episode 136 for the love of the game. Take us out, Jack Carlo and Lil Nas like Juniors Say your time is coming soon, but just like Oklahoma. Mine is coming sooner. I'm just a late bloomer. I didn't peak in high school. I'm still out here getting cuter. All these social networks and computers got these pussies walking around like they ain't losers. I told you long ago on the road. I got what they waiting for. Fall around from nothing, dog. Get your soul. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.